welcome to the Voyager Podcast, hosted by Chris Vick and Brad Alexander. We're a weekly show about authentic faith in unlikely places. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We hope you're encouraged. Welcome back to the Voyager Podcast. My name is Brad Alexander. I'm here with Chris Fick. Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> and today is an exciting day because we have our first official guest on. Right. And um, he's someone very near and dear to not only my heart, but Chris's. In fact, I think Chris introduced us. But um, today we have on our good friend, Brandon Phillips. Howdy. <laughs> I was waiting for the cue. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. Good old B. Phillips. Um, we all met at Kingsfield. I don't know if you and Chris go further back, but I remember the first day I met Chris and I was telling you I worked at Oakley and I, I was at Supra for a hot second back at Oakley. You're like, there's someone you need to meet. And you introduced Brandon and I and we not only have have grown really close, but we've realized that we actually have some mutual friends that have popped up or people we both knew that I'm like, I don't know how our paths never cross. We skated the same parks. We know a few of the same guys. Um, Took us coming to the Lord, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We probably would have gotten a lot of trouble otherwise. Yeah. (laughs) Better to meet on that (laughs) side, I guess. Yeah. But um, Brandon is someone who is a longtime skateboarder, longtime surfer, um, had gone professional with his snowboarding career before he ended up over at Soltech at Etnies and 32 doing some team management stuff. We're going to get into some of that, um, but mainly has done what Chris and I think is radical work with the youth and just loving on kids and hosted a skate night for a long time. He coached, still coaches, but has been doing that for years and just meeting kids where they're at. And we're excited to get into some of his backstory and also just talk through what does it look like to reach the next generation um, who love skate or surf or snow? Like how, how can we effectively love those kids, um, but still reach them with the gospel? So that's what we're going to do today. Chris, you want to add anything in there? I, I would say when I met Brandon, I think I was speaking at Kingsfield as a guest before we worked there. Oh, and no then kidding. he came up with Patricia, who is like barely here. She had just gotten here, I think, and Fresh didn't speak much plane. English either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's from she's French Canadian, right? Yeah. So um Romanian <clears throat> by way of French Canada. I think I wanna say she was barefoot at the theater. <laughs> if Probably. I remember right. <clears throat> but mud so bath. Awesome. Yeah, it was Gosh. really cool. And just to kick this thing off, can you give us the flyby of B. Phillips and just how you got involved in some of these lifestyle sports and how that's taken you through, how God's used that. Sure. Yeah, um, you know, born in the town of Laguna Beach. And from there, our family had been around that Orange County area for a while. And um, around high school, or no, sorry, junior high, my parents, uh, we were on, me and my brothers were on a fishing trip out to with my grandpa in Missouri. He had like property out there. And so every summer we would go out to Branson and do the country music tour and all the shows and whatnot and go fishing. And we came it's like back. super cool. Oh, it's the, it was the <laughs> coolest. 
It really was. I think about it now, like hanging out with like Mo Bandy and like all these things. I was like a little kid and I was like, no idea how cool it is now. But this is the roots of your cowboy persona. There's there's I actually got I I found out recently, actually over Christmas, that there's some there's some deep roots inside of like the rodeo scene that I was just like, wow. For those who don't know, you might see Brandon wearing (laughs) <laughs> completely normal Southern California gear. And then you might also see him full on in cowboy gear. White t-shirt, blue jeans, boots, <laughs> yeah. a just, lot of dirt. Just nice, <laughs> nice and tight. Yeah. And <laughs> or a vest and a boat bolo. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So yeah, we come back home and um, we knew my parents were looking for a different place in just around our town. And uh, they said they, they got a place and then we loaded up and they started driving east and it we ended up in uh murrieta and little plot of dirt and i was like you got to be kidding me and the uh, house wasn't even built yet. no no we were supposed to go to las vegas to go like visit their friends who had recently moved out of california too some old family church friends and they're like we're gonna make a pit stop we're gonna go see this new place and we're like okay whatever and driving 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 and then it's like plot of dirt you're just like, oh my goodness, no way. And my older, I'm the middle of three boys. So my older brother is like three, four years ahead of me. And my little brother's two years below me. So he was already like in high school and doing the thing. And I'm already like, this is what I do. We were just some baseball here and there, some soccer here and there, but surf, skate, snow, that's like my whole life, right? We have a little crew and all that great stuff. But then upon moving, we just, it just got rocked. So we ended up doing uh, Marietta from 2000, well, for me, 2000 to 2005, roughly around like a little bit of junior high, a lot of high school, the high school thing. And, and anyone not from California, like Marietta is like an hour from the beach, right? Yeah. Yeah. Straight east, <laughs> due east. As the crow flies, it's not that bad. But, and actually going back there these days, like if I go, I went back there for a wedding and I was standing on top of like, uh, it was like wine country up there in Marietta, not necessarily Temecula. And I could see the water. I was like, wow, that's like Camp Pendleton. It's not that far away, but... No kidding. Yeah, it was really pretty. Yeah, it's 45 minutes from here to yeah. there. You go Oceanside, but yeah. yeah. I, I love how far away you thought Marietta was that you said the friends who moved to Las Vegas moved out of California as well. <laughs> you considered <laughs> yeah. Marietta like no I longer... as well. No longer part of California. I, I, you know, both my parents still commuted like back and forth over the Ortega. Monday through Friday, both of them. Mm. And so when we wanted it over the weekend, we were like, guess what you're going to do? You're going to drive us back over to our friend's house, over to Ortega. And they're like, last thing I'm going to do is that. Because <laughs> I've been driving that road all week long, twice a day. And yeah. so I basically that, you know, like they were sensitive to that for a little bit. But eventually it was like, no, you're going to have to make some friends here. And most everybody like either rode dirt bikes or wintertime came and they snowboarded. So that kind of got me into the, onto the mountain a little bit more which was pretty cool. I still liked skateboarding and surfing and no one really did that. Some guys skated, of course, but um, yeah, snowboarding was the kind of thing that got me out of town. And so that's what I gravitated towards. It was easier, easily accessible. And especially once I got my license and car, I was just every chance I got, I was up to mountain high or up to big bear all weekend long, sleeping in the car, snowboard boots are frozen, but didn't matter. (laughs) Like waking up and, and just doing it. My parents didn't really, um, I don't know if they knew or didn't care or what, or if I told them something else. So you never um, like fully embraced 
Murrieta. It was kind of just buying time while you had to live there until you could kind of get back out of there. Yeah, I did. I never really, I, I just wanted to leave. And I think that was just because I was so rooted in the culture back home, right? Mm. Like surfing Salt Creek, being with those guys, seeing the older guys. Um, even our my my best bud, his older brother, uh, him and his friends. You mentioned Kenrich on the past episode. Yes. And that dude was in our, he was in our lives like super early because he was best friends with Jason's older brother. And so he, he and my older brother and my, my friend Jason and his older brothers were the ones who like introduced skateboarding to us. And so everything, my whole world was just like already established. And so when they, when my parents moved, I was, I entered into this other world that I just could not relate to and nor did I want to. And so, yeah, snowboarding was the one that I was like, okay, this is more realistic, but it was interesting. I mean, I ended up, you know, obviously you grow up and make friends and the skate skate park got built. And so immediately you're like, okay, the skate rat guys are the guys that we hang out with. And those guys were cool. I just was never like in on their inner circle. I, they like kind of taught me how to party, (laughs) like the older guys. And you know what? Like, I'm grateful for them because they could have been, you know, something so far off, but yet they were still, they were committed to skateboarding. They had, you know, good style. It was kind of like the old, when crew was first kind of coming out and um, all that stuff. But they were like, you know, guys like uh, Duffel were coming down and hanging out with those guys. And so it was kind of like music was good. Um, the influence was bad, but yet it was still better than like the metal militia guys. And so it kind of played into the snowboard scene for me. But when I came home, I would hang with those guys, but it was still just kind of nothing that I really felt like these are my people. That's something so I've realized so unique to growing up where we did that you go to skate parks and you see people. So that culture becomes really immersive because even when we were like probably 11 or 12, if you go to Huntington Beach Skate Park when it was still there, you were going to see Jeff Raleigh or Andrew Reynolds or like these guys, Ed Templeton, always there. I remember landing a heel flip in front of him and thinking it was so cool in my (laughs) 12-year-old mind. And he's probably like, I just lip slid an 18. Your heel flip's not that cool. He but went, he was he went nice. home and he's like, I just saw the best heel flip. Ever. <laughs> that's how I, yeah, that's how I pictured it in my head, right? He's still thinking about it. I'll be dreaming about that one for weeks. <laughs> Want to see me Ollie the Forster Ed? I'll do that too. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think that's like how that influence really gets in there because the guys you're seeing in magazines, you're seeing in, in real life. And that I realize more and more as I've gotten older, like, oh, not everyone had that experience. That was a Southern California thing. We were in it. It's special. It's super special. It really is. I mean, you have you have it from the beaches to the mountains to the skate parks to, I mean, even probably, like, other sports, too, like baseball players. And, I mean, you live out here and, you, you know, like, these, it's like a, who doesn't, you're able just to do your sport throughout the year, right? Yeah, year-round is a big deal. Right. The fact that you... You don't have like an off winter season, you know, or or you have to have an indoor place to go. Um, That's why I think, and and just the level of competition where you have so many people that like elevates competition. If you're 
you know, fighting against only a couple, then yeah, you could be the best, but it's a big fish in a small pond out here's a right. giant it's an ocean here you know so it's like you, you there's a lot of people pushing each other to the limits and so you are spending a lot of time up in the mountains you're snowboarding a lot yeah. how does this start pushing your life and taking you out of Marietta but um where does where does this take you yeah so after you know after the whole after high school was done of course my parents are you know they just wanted to see me graduate which I did but they were, gosh, they, I can't remember the conversation really. You know, school had to have come up. Like, are you going to go to school? Um, what's your future going to look like? You know, asking these questions. And that was summer of, I don't know, 2005. And so I was like, I'm moving to Big Bear. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to chase the snowboard dream. I'm moving to Big Bear this winter, like, um, come fall. And I'm going to live in Big Bear and I'm going to snowboard. Because Big Bear was actually harnessing, there was a, there was a, a, it's always been a scene because Snow Summit had the first snowboard park in the world. Okay. So Summit, Big Bear, because of the influences down here, Orange County, of course, and greater California culture, they ran with it. People, they were cool with it. The guy who owned Summit Bear, the, all the, the family was like, well, whatever, whatever the kids want to do. And so they started it. And so out of that couple generations, one or two, was around my generation of kids growing up. And so there's a couple, there was like right when like um, blogging and everything was kind of hitting the internet, uh, there was a couple guys, Justin Meyer and Joe Carlino, filmers in the industry. They started to do these things called Sunday in the Park, which were like short edits all out of bear. And it just blew up. It launched people's careers. And so going through high school, going up to bear all the time, starting to meet these guys, and then once I got out of high school, I was like, I'm moving to Bear. These are going to be my guys. Um, we were all con- we were like the younger kids, but we were already like the weekend kind of warrior kids that would hop on. If I got to ride the chairlift with them and all that stuff, it was like, yes. And so moving up there put me in it on a daily basis. And they got the, the let's just say it like the, the path going. And so after, and everyone always came to Bear at one point or the other. So it was a hub of just of the industry right no matter who you were you were going to bear because they had the best park and all that stuff in the video like content. south of mammoth there's nothing there's nothing else like bear yeah it was always like this beef between like mountain high and big bear <laughs> you know and mountain high is just you know there's nothing like big bear but all the la kids were like we're, we're, we're gonna do it too they try to like copy and paste it but it's just never as quality but the nice thing about mountain high was the drive the drive oh, of was so awesome and they had mountain night high. riding too so you could right. go up after school and go and snowboard still so but there's always this beef. Anyways, so Big Bear was this like hub that we mo- I moved up to. We got a house with some friends, and it was just ca- complete chaos. And I mean, I, I actually still feel really bad for my friends' parents who bought the house, let us live in it. And eventually, like, I mean, it was like people from Sweden were coming, and then people moved out, and I stopped paying any money, but I like lived there still. So it was a, it was pretty chaotic. We would have like airsoft wars in the house and just the blinds and everything i i was just the worst well Not, how how old were you guys at this time i mean 18 Ye- 18 yeah. 19 like, yeah and just no, we could buy alcohol from the corner market and no one would say anything so it was fresh out of high school living on your own in a mountain town sun goes down at four o'clock and that's game on so that that kind of we did that for a couple years or whatever and then um that as as our friend group got better 
they started getting more sponsors and then actually filming video parts. And so you would always try to, and then, you know, these guys, um, these filmers, Justin and Joe, they started filming for like Transworld and then making their videos and then starting their own production company. And that those were like the guys making the best videos in snowboarding. And so you would always kind of like be around these groups, but I tried doing that for a while. And then that's where getting hurt came into play. I, I tore my ACL, broke my leg um, one season. And then that was kind of like the start of this like slow, I think downward spiral, but then also the beginning of when the Lord was getting my attention because after I started getting hurt, like I was trying real hard to go for it and, and film and travel and all that stuff. But as I got hurt, it forced me to move to slow down and move back to Orange County full time. I would always be back in Orange County, but then leave from like September to like March. So really not really getting plugged into anybody or it was all about like snowboard world. But once I got hurt for the first time, that caused me to slow down. Ended up just living uh, with a friend at his house and, and all of it. And you know I'm grateful for these guys to open up their doors. But um, that was kind of like the beginning of the end of the snowboard career, but the beginning of the Lord getting my attention. Yeah, it's just it's, a common story you hear about guys with ACL injuries, like skateboarding especially. Snowboarding too, you guys are taking these huge jumps, and if things go wrong, they go very wrong. And same with skateboarding. If you're jumping off yeah. 15, 16 stairs, all it takes is like being off balance one try, and you can buckle a knee, you yeah. can shatter an ankle, and then you don't have insurance. And Yeah. So yeah. how does this progress in your life? You're living in bare you're partying, you're pushing your snowboarding. You have some sponsors, I think, at this point, right? Yeah, I was on the team, so I was not getting paid by these guys, but I was, okay. I guess, like, am kind of flow or whatever. Um, you know how it is. It's like if you say you're pro, you're like, you get a board or a boot, you know? Yeah. So I was not, I did not have my own signature gear, but I was on, like, Crew, when Crew launched their snowboard stuff. I was on Crew and then some other brands and whatnot, but, like, um, that was right. The height of that is right when I started getting injured. So it met it at the same time. Like the peak of it is right when I started getting hurt the worst. And it was like mm. big injuries. It was like ACL ripped, torn, LCL, MCL, fractured tibia, like blew my whole knee apart. And so you end your season in January or December, whenever it was, and, you know, that was, and then you kind of go and you work, you rehab all summer long, and then you go back for it again. And that's what I was doing. I was like just rehabbing it. And all, and my personal life was not healthy by any means. Mm. There was still no structure there, right? Like I would come home, I was living with friends or at their parents' house or going back and forth to my grandma's house or wherever I could just kind of stay on the cheap. And that, because my whole focus was to get back to get ready for winter. And so that's like healthy, unhealthy lifestyle outside of snowboarding. And even snowboarding, which was my main goal, was not that healthy in the first place anyways. And so come back another season, and basically I was living in Utah, getting ready. Things were looking really good. Um, was offered to film for this video part, this like kind of like up and coming AM video. And I was like, sweet, this is like, I was able to film with guys, like my friends who were pro, like actually pro for like Transworld and these other things, the other videos. And so I was kind of like living in between. I should have been up with those guys, 
but I was kind of like down still because of whatever reason, injuries, not making it. And then it happens again. I blow my knee up again. And so that's twice in a row, two seasons back to back. And yeah. And this time I get like the cadaver. I'm like over here at Scripps and like, you know, getting the good surgery from the good doctor, still unhealthy personal life living in Los Angeles at this point um, with one of my best friends also at the same time trying to reach this goal. Like I would go from Los Angeles, like Los Feliz area down to Scripps down here for physical therapy, like three times a week. So obviously. So it's like hour and a half drive at yeah. least. Yeah. Probably closer to two hours. Yeah, probably I closer bet. to two. Each way and just come down here for an hour just because the, the physical therapy was quality. Like that's where like, guys like Sean White would go and stuff like that. So somehow I got this like athlete kind of in for this surgeon and then also this physical therapy. So I was still committed to it. But then when I drive home or back up to Los Angeles, it was just the most unhealthy environment you could possibly be in. Meanwhile, I'm passing like people who actually love me and care about me in like Orange County to go up there and just to to waste away basically. Just partying and... Yeah, totally. Yeah. And um, at that point, um, the... TM for 32, the snowboard boot brand was like, what are you doing? What's your plan? I'm like, I'm going for it again. Why wouldn't I? He's like, well, we have a job opening up and, and you and these two other guys who I knew were kind of all like vying for like this, like kind of like the same piece of like pie of uh, support and sponsorship. But yet now he's like, well, you guys have all kind of been like flow with 32 and on the team, but now this position, we want you guys to interview for it. So I ended up getting this job for Soltech 32 as their and Etnies as their uh, their demo tour guy. So they put me on the road for like three four months out of the year with a company Amex and a, a new truck with a trailer. And now I'm going cross country all season long, all winter long, all these different stops throughout the country, meeting up with our reps, meeting up with our riders, and. Basically, it was my job to put people in boots and also party. <laughs> and that's what I did for like three years. I was there doing that for like three years. But there's a lot happening in between that time personally, right? I was I was back home, back down here in Orange County. And I would go to the skate park, right? You just go to the skate park. We went to um, Lags, Pink Park, whatever you want to call it. And a friend of mine were skating at night. And there is these kids, uh, youth group kids basically, offering people water and we're, we're sweating up a storm. And so they asked me and my buddy, they're like, Hey, can we give you some water? I'm like, sure. Absolutely. Thank you. And they're like, can we tell you about Jesus? I'm like, tell me whatever you want. <laughs> I don't care. You gave me water. I'll sit and listen. And they did. That's how timeshares work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they, uh, they offer water. That was probably like a Friday night or something like that. And, that's when like the wheels started turning a little bit because in between the the injuries and the and the physical therapy like I'd work at shops or whatever you know just trying to be in the skate shop that's my what I knew and so that's what I was doing so I wasn't making like money and I wasn't going to college this is like early 20s late teens early 20s or something like that and that's when the next Sunday morning I remember sitting with my friend at my grandma's house being so hungry because we don't have any money. She's hidden all the food and we had just, you know, gotten a little high. So it's like, you're just like sitting there going like, what is life? 
And then it hits me. It's like those kids who were giving us water said they were from a church. And I remember as a kid, churches have food. Churches have donuts and coffee and all this stuff. And so I text my best bud and I was like, hey, the one who I was living with in Los Angeles, whatnot. And um, I was like, hey, where did our parents go to church? It was a miracle that he even answered his phone and got back to me. And he said it was Calvary Laguna Beach. I think it's called Kingsfield now. So he gives us the, the address and we head right over there. And that introduction was we show up and we just probably, you know, like a fish out of water in a way. We show up and it's like, these guys are new here. Not only are they new here, they're younger and they're not part of like the college career ministry or whatever. So that we're sticking out pretty bad. And we show up and we start like eating all the food. They had a great spread. I remember just like a big old spread of just like... Churches take note. Yes, no joke. Don't skimp your <laughs> hospitality ministry budget. So Continental breakfast every Sunday. <laughs> That's right, dude. You want to get kids saved. So... We're eating, and then everyone's like, okay, you know, the ushers are like, hey, guys, you know, worship is starting. So we look at each other, like, oh, let's go in. You know, maybe we'll switch to lunchtime afterwards. <laughs> so we sit through the message. I don't remember what was what was being taught or whatever. I just remember going back out, and of course, they did have more food out there. And But this is the, the part that really got my attention, is when church was done, and, you know, like, the youth kids come out, all the kids, everyone starts coming out, and we're, like, grazing around the food. A couple, one, I saw the the youth kids that were at the skate park. So I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Those are the ones who gave us water. And yeah, and, and that should not be understated because right. that church would not be the closest church even to that skate park. So the, the odds that that's where your family used to go and those are the kids that handed you water is like mind-blowing. Yeah, and that's the Lord's hand on it, right? Like the Lord really, and I think about that because... The Lord moved into whoever the you know the youth pastor was to go and do that that night. Maybe they did it a lot, but we just so happened to be there. And then they asked us. They didn't feel intimidated, and we responded and being just like, yeah, sure. You know, they were probably really excited that they were out there evangelizing. And then I don't know, I don't know if they recognized me or not, but I remember them, and I was like, oh, those are like those kids that from that gave us water. That's crazy. And then soon after that, I hear my name from somebody, and they're like, Brandon Phillips, how's it going? I'm like what? <laughs> like, I was just like, I mean, you could have just like smacked me over the head or something. I was so shocked. And it was people that knew me from the olden days, from when my parents were bringing us to like church and whatnot. So this church, which became um, a different name, were still, still had people from, you know, decades ago that were changing my diapers and whatnot. And so the Lord's hand was just like, that's what got my attention immediately. I just knew that this is this is not by chance. And I don't know if I could call it, like, if I recognized what God was doing back then, but I knew something was up. Your parents were really grounded in this church before the move to Marietta. Like, you grew up going to church. Yeah, we definitely. And that's something we talk about a lot, too, is, like, I have a similar story where I had a stepmom, my brother's mom, I have a half-brother who, like, I love dearly, and she read me the Bible till I was, like, nine until her and my dad had split. And it's like, if you build that foundation, a lot of us fly off the rails, but we come back to it eventually. Like, God grabs hold of us again, and then we start to remember, like, oh, yeah, I, I grew up going to church. Mm -hmm. I thank the Lord that these folk around us who are at the church who are actually, like, deacons or or ushers or whoever was doing like the donut ministry or whatever it was 
they were mature enough in their faith to not judge us. Be like, hey, one donut only. It was like, no, just let the kid eat. Like, what, what is it? A donut? Like, I'll put an extra five bucks in for this kid's donuts or whatever. They were so mature cool. enough not to, like, condemn you. I love that. Yeah. that That's what the draw was to me. When I, I grew up in a church that was a little more, like, traditional, and I probably saw it wrong on their end, but, like you color your hair's dyed or you weren't going to con it's like there's like a they start looking at you weird like what are you doing get your life together and then i w- went to the packing house and you see the ushers wearing cowboy boots and tank tops and and they're and like guys with like gang tattoos and stuff and you're like okay i i think i think these people would get it like the struggle you know and it's like the, part of it is like having that grace but a lot of that is because they realize they need the grace. So mm-hmm. I think that's the key is like you're not – we're not proposing a moral standard just for people necessarily, but like a transformation in Christ and recognizing what we once were. Like Paul does that all the time. Like that, look – you know, I, I remember exactly who I was. I know exactly who I was. And so like that actually drives me to go even harder to tell people about Jesus. And so I, I love that mm-hmm. as a, a template for all of us to remember, because the longer you walk with the Lord, there's a tendency to go, oh, I kind of forget what it felt like to be that low. Uh, and then we just have a reminder of, my gosh, I am still so desperate and still so wicked in and of myself. So that's a really cool thing. Yeah, yeah none of it. us have made it. Right. Yeah. Did you, was it the first time you were at church for those donuts that God like really made sense or were you going for a little bit or how did how did that happen i remember going for a little bit uh it wasn't like i walked in and then like the you know like the holy spirit fell on me and i just like dropped my knees or whatever no i was still just very much like stoned and wanted food (laughs) but you kept going i kept going because that's where the food was I was like the poor beggar guy, and I was like, hey, I know where like, they give out five bucks over here. <laughs> like, I'm going to keep going back to that church because every Sunday I know I'm hungry. And it was cool because somebody, somebody eventually, actually it was my friend's dad. I remember he invited me. He's like, hey, they're gonna, they're, the men are going to do this thing called the steak and study. I was like, they're oh, giving away yes. steak? A steak and study, yes. I was so like, good. shoot, woo, let's go. Of course I'm going to be there. Steak and potatoes? And so I show up, and that's where I actually was like my first Bible study outside of the church walls. And I remember thinking like, oh, wow. And this, this is before like phones were important, you know? So you just like, you sat there and listened, and you weren't distracted by anything. I listened and I was like, whoa, okay. I don't remember what the study was, but I remember looking around at all these men and going like, well, there's like men that look like older, younger. There's guys who look like they would not ever hang out with each other. So I was observing, maybe listening to the word a little bit. I was just observing. And I think that's part of like who the Lord is like kind of revealing to me about like ministry or what I needed in him mm-hmm. was mentorship. And I remember looking at all these guys and being like, whoa, there's like a lot of dudes here that are like, they look like they've got it together that I kind of want to like hang out with and ask some questions. And so I think the Lord was just revealing to me like, hey, I'm you need mentorship and godly counsel without me even knowing it yet, because that looked desirable. I was like, oh, how did... And of course, my buddy's dad who invited me he'd known me since the day i was born and i saw him in a different light right and i was like oh well he's like older and yet he's been walking this path of being a christian for a long time 
And so it, I saw it in real time, right? It, I saw the, the, I guess the realness. What is it? Like I saw like the um, the word authenticity. It, it would be an authenticity, right? Like these guys who are old and gray are still in the study with these other guys for all these years, and they weren't new believers. And where where else do you see that kind of diversity uh, in in unison, like where people like are valuing one another? I think that's unique about the church, and that's beautiful and really important. Yeah. Uh, so the for a few years of doing the demo tour with Soltech, and then coming home and kind of living this kind of double life, being double minded, really is what it was. Like not not fully refined by the Lord, you know, just still on the road and trying to be part of the industry scene and and doing what you know the the party does right where you just you are you are a part of the party i remember being in duluth one time and we were out on the town we were at a casino and walking around duluth minnesota and i slid across a taxi cab car because i was like watch this dukes of hazard you know just being in the state of mind I was in, I slid across the hood and I didn't think anything of it. And then I hear the guy like peel out and like I turn around and he's like yelling at me and I like ran. And I'm with like the shop owners and, and reps and writers and stuff like that. And I run in one direction and the guy is like chasing me. And then I stop and duck behind some cars and run back and I, I escape him, right? And so we go off and keep on bar hopping or whatever. And... We're on our way back to the hotel, and the police show up like around me, and they're like, "Hey, you!" I'm like, "Huh?" They're like, "You? Yeah, we want to talk to you." I'm like, "I didn't do anything." They're like, "You slid across the taxi cab's car," and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I did that." So, so that was bad. <laughs> yeah. So, so I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "You call, like it's like the Dukes of Hazard, you know? Like, why'd you do that?" And so basically, they're like, "We're writing you a ticket and all these things." I'm like, "Okay," and. Anyways, and then I'd drive home and be going to church. And so it was just such like a, a two different roads, one foot in, one foot out. So was was that like part of your job to throw parties? Yeah. Okay. So that was literally like your job, not just like yeah. it was happening. It was like something you were supposed to do. No. Yeah, exactly. And simultaneously, we're also filming an AM video for the brand and so I would be like at spots with the writers and the filmers. I would I'd have like... B angles on it. I would be trying to hit the spot too, to try to get a clip or two. And so it was just like, I was, I was so immersed in it still. And then when I came home, I was like with my wife expecting to have a kid. And then that's really where the party stopped for me is when our daughter was first born. Mm. And I was, it, it, it literally stopped. Like I was not the party internally, but the party as far as like, who I was partaking with, that's what everything stopped. You hearing God's call, and like in a sense, you're going to church, like where you're kind of feeling like something's happening, and yet you're still really in the world, right? With your job and you're doing all that. I think that is something that uh, a lot of people struggle with or are in that place, and they don't, it's almost like they don't think anybody else is, or that they're they're alone and they feel kind of alienated. So they feel like, 
their life has to be in a sense hidden like yeah. because it's like I can't let them know what I do here and it's almost like on the other side I can't let them know that I go to church <laughs> and so I it's yeah. it's an interesting kind of a place to be in that I think has uh, a lot of I don't know I feel like it, you could you could probably give some insight to that of like the way that feels and and uh, cuz I was I was there too in a different sense like my story is different but like uh where you God was like calling you and pulling you Brad's too and you seeing him like, man, I think God's real. I think he's like really active. And then, but still, you're still doing the old stuff. That's the, that's the thing is like, it's refinement, right? I would, when I would be home in this place, I wanted to be in church. I wanted so bad to get to know God deeper. And then I also wanted to stop doing all the stuff that I was doing, right? I didn't want to do that. And then as soon as I left, hit the road for work, it was just like, I, I am who I am now, and this is my environment, and this is what I got to do. It was normal. But then when I came home, I felt that conviction. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to like go to a bar or whatever. I don't even want to like have a beer. Like, I want to be where the people are at the church. And the one thing that kept me coming back was I was never, I never felt once judged or looked at by the members of the church. That mm. was something that is pretty unique. And I think that's kind of like old school Calvary guys mm. were like, I know I smelt like pot. I know I was dirty. And yet no one ever said like, we got to clean this kid up if he's going to step back in here. He just, they were just like, bring him on in. I heard a story about you going into the sanctuary barefoot. And it I, wasn't told in a negative way. It was just like, man, I remember when Brandon started coming and he'd show up like barefoot. And, and it wasn't even like by the beach. It was like in the movie theater. In the movie theater. Yeah. yeah. I would like roll in and no one ever judged it. You know, they just, and I was not like a young guy, like teenager. I was an adult, but yet no one ever, no one ever was like put on shoes if you're going to, and I was walking around in a sticky growth. Maybe it's because it was the movie theater. No one cared. I think this is something that last episode, when I shared my story, I was talking about everyone who got through to me with the message of God, it was because they were like, Hey man, like I see so much potential in you. You have such a good heart. Other people in my life were like, dude, you better get it together. Cause you're going to hell. Like if you keep living that life you're living. And I think what you just said is such a rad thing because if we want to really reach kids who were the places that all three of us were in these counterculture scenes where like there's things that are really important to us, but we still feel empty. We're still trying to stuff that void. You got to love them where they're at. Insert the gospel wherever you can. But if you come at them so hardline where you're like, dude, you better get it together. They're going to be like, all right, I'll never be back. See ya. I'm actually really grateful looking back on it because at this point I was walking with walking, attempting to you know, walk with the Lord. I was walking with the Lord. It's not like I wasn't like a Christian at that point, because at that point I had like went forward and given my life to the Lord, but yet it just, I wasn't like dead to my old ways, right? Mm. And that reality of this is who God says I am now. Transformation. Fully, yeah. My relationships with people back home grew through the church, um, different ministries, you know, Chris and Karen from Soul Surf. Um, I started working for them. That's really the moment of, I think it was like August of 2014 is when I, I quit Soltech. I remember this. Yeah. I remember the transition. Yep. And from that point on, it's like kind of the, started you on the path of walking with the Lord. And yep. It was, I mean, 
that summer of 2014 was, I knew it was like either go back on the road again, still work for Etnies. At, by this time, my role had switched a little bit. Like I was doing some TM stuff for snow and was trying hard to like come continue to climb. My wife was about to, to give birth at this point. And then that's where a friend was like, hey, you could come work for our surf school and it's ministry first. And so I was like, okay, quit the job with the 401k and the health insurance. When my wife is about to give birth, she like just started working at her job at Hogue Hospital, living here full time within the year. And now I'm going to like leave the one stable thing that I have going for me to go work for like a mom and pop surf ministry. Uh, well, Lord, you gave us the peace to do this. So I, I marched in there and resigned at Soltech. Do you think if you had stayed a team manager at Soltech for you, I'm not like legalistically telling anyone out there, you can't work for a brand and being a Christian. I think that's like uh, something between you and the Lord to figure out. But if you had stayed a team manager, do you think you would have continued to stumble in that environment? There's no doubt in my mind that I would be divorced with like a child right now if i if me personally this isn't to say anything about the brand because i still have a lot of great relationships with uh people over there and i'm so grateful for these brands but me personally i probably would have been divorced by now and probably within that first year had i continued because i i personally would have given into my flesh to fill it like the, my the things that the lord was trying to replace in my heart with drinking and partying and women and I would have been happy to go back on the road with an Amex and a party to throw and be like the guy and so that would have absolutely ended poorly you needed a like a clean break to, to start over yeah that's that's good man I think a lot of times you can get back into the world that you're from as far as in ministry context but like that break is really important and I'm really grateful that no one from the church was like, hey, you're like a skateboarder Christian guy now, right? Why don't you come hang out with the youth kids? I probably would have caused more stumbling than... You weren't ready. No way. And that's, um, for anyone not familiar with this term, sanctification, what we're talking about here is is the illusion that you have to clean yourself up before you can come to God is just that. It's an illusion. It's a deceit. If you come to God and you pour it out before him, he will work it out with you. And mm -hmm. God grabbed hold of, of Brandon and continued to work it out until you had peace where you're like, I need to step away from this because where all the temptations and this lifestyle can come up, then the best thing you could have done is like, I'm going to get out of that, <laughs> yeah. you know? And sometimes yeah. you need that. I needed to not hang out with the friends I was doing drugs with when I got saved. And then coincidentally, I wasn't doing drugs anymore. <laughs> I didn't know where to find drugs, and I didn't have the temptation because I didn't know anyone who was actively in that lifestyle. So it was like, I don't even have to think about it, and God could heal me and work that out in me. So, Chris, you have any thoughts? Yeah, no. I, I mean, sanctification, you brought that up. And so, real quick, it, yeah, like the process of salvation is like justification, God makes you righteous by the blood of Jesus before him, and it's, the, it's Christ's righteousness, right? Sanctification is the process of being sanctified is to be set apart. So it's the process of being set apart 
and it's a continual process. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea is like you are becoming more and more set apart from like what you used to be, where you used to go, uh, and the direction you used to go in, and you're set apart for something so much greater, which is to be finding out who you really are in Christ, which we talked about last episode, the image of God created to create, to think it's like a one, you know, deal where like, say, oh, that's just all. No, it's, it's a continual process. And if you've been walking with the Lord and you're a Christian, you know, every day is a process of sanctification where I'm growing every single day in that. Uh, but there's a point where you make a decision to go, I want to sign up for the process of sanctification. And then the last part is glorification where when we go and be with the Lord forever, then it, it's done. It's, there's no more tears. There's no more sin. There's no more trials or struggles like that. So so how has God redeemed a lot of these traits in your life as, as you went into full-time ministry and working with youth? Like, how yeah. have, have some of these liabilities become assets? So early on, I knew that the Lord gave me a lot of passion, right? It was passion for the, the things we love, the surf, skate, snow. I was passionate for people and being able to, like, when I was on the road, make friends with whoever, and representing this brand, I could show up to a snowboard resort or skate park and like give out stuff and make friends. Because in my mind, I was making, uh, I was making like loyal consumers of the brand, right? If they liked me, then they would like the brand more, <laughs> right? That's and true. so I was working for the brand. But then, so what the Lord showed me through this process of sanctification and revealing more about myself and where I am now is he took all that passion that I had and gave purpose to it. So now I'm passionate, but with bringing the gospel into people's lives, the good news of who Jesus is, that he's real, the Bible you can rely on, it's trustworthy. All these things that we read about are actually true, and it could happen for you too, and so that's the purpose now. It's like taking that passion, and it's no longer aimless, but now it's all purposely driven because that was his plan all along. Yeah, that's awesome. We had the Ryan Kendrich or people like that, but it's like Ryan had his own demons, and he, he did die of, of an opiate overdose. Yeah. And it's so sad because he was very kind to me, but he was also trying to figure life out and not always in the best ways. And I'm like, man, I wish I had someone like a you that like I could have skated with and mm -hmm. shown me how to nollie tray flip or something, but then also right. been like, hey, God's real and loves you. <laughs> but you know? it might have like saved us a lot of grief and pain. <laughs> yeah. But that the, the influences are something like I was talking about, like having purpose and passion sewn together or moving together under the authority and submission of the Lord is is something that we all have in our ministries, right? The Lord has equipped us for these things. I haven't coached at Creek because of the weather and all that stuff for a long time, but last night I show up to the beach to coach some kids, and I usually park in a certain spot, but because I was running like just a couple minutes late, I decided to park in a different spot, and I pull in, and I get out of the car, and I'm getting my bag ready with the camera, and I hear Brandon Phillips, and I turn around, and it's like this, this kind of like 20-year-old, mid-20s looking kid. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I remember your face, but your face has become an adult now. And so I was, it was this kid that used to come around the shop all the time. This one shop that I used to work at in my heyday of just being pretty much a burnout. <laughs> that, but he remembered me as being this 
he's like, man, I sense the Brandon Phillips around. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like already listening to him. I'm like, well, where you been? Like he was a pretty talented kid as well, but I hadn't seen him in probably like five, six years by now. And he's like, yeah, man, I actually been in like rehab and I was pretty like strung out on drugs and opioids and, and how to get revived and all this stuff. But now I'm clean for four years. And I was like, wow, your whole friend group, how many of these kids went down that same path? He and I are having this conversation last night and, you know, he was just like, hey, man, like, thank you so much for like always being so cool with me. And I'm like, well, what are you doing now, man? Like what? He's like, well, I'm working and I'm just trying to like be grateful for what I have. And I'm like, well, it sounds like you met Jesus. And he's like, let me show you my Bible. This is the word like this. And I was like, dude, you are exactly where you need to be. Like stick close to the word. And so just being able, I'm like, give me, let me get, let me give you my phone number. And he's like, all right. And he went and got, went and served and he texted me later. He's like, Hey, like great to see you or whatever. Mm, And so, so cool. But those are, those are the redeeming qualities, right? Yeah. Influences and, and whatnot. So I think for everyone who is tuned in and listening and uh, has has gotten this far in the, the podcast, we're so grateful. We hope there's been a lot of relatability in Brandon's story and just how God loves us and works with us just put on display. And the next episode, we're, we're diving full dive with Brandon into outreach, evangelism, working with the next generation. But... Um, we're so thankful you tuned in. And Chris, you have some closing thoughts for us too? Uh, no, I, I, I just, we just love stories. I think that's part of what we're doing here with this podcast. And and even some, uh, we've gotten some feedback from people that are like, they love stories. And obviously, God loves stories. He uses stories. We were talking about this. Jesus spoke through parables. And so um, a lot of times in these stories, you find yourself. You can see yourself in in those things. We all talked about how we... When we were started following the Lord, there was still like a season of uh, almost like a harder fall because we were still trusting in ourselves. So when you hear these stories, uh, you can relate to them um, and you can see yourself in them, but also see what God can do if we continue to seek him, continue to go after him and allow him to have access into our lives. And so um, I I really love that. And so we were going to do this as one episode of this whole thing, and we decided to make it two. Because I think that the story's so important, so worth telling. So, absolutely. Uh, looking forward to the next one as well. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Voyager Podcast. If you'd like to reach out, you can reach us through Instagram at the Voyager Podcast or through contact at calvarycarlsbad.com. We hope this has been encouraging for you. Until next time.